Welcome to the house, to the house of failures. Yeah, da 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 da. Ooh, yeah, do do do. It is good, good. Yeah, do 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 do. Yeah, do 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 do. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of You Have Failed with me, Sam Vader. I'd like to apologise for any grogginess or tissue muffling, ruffling, whatever the uh, word is that you say. I have really bad hay fever. Don't know what's in the pollen this year. So, I, uh, yeah, will be trying not to sniffle too much during this episode and make too much tissue background noise, but it's something that can't be avoided, I'm afraid. Uh, it is an allergy that I suffer with, and it's been quite bad this year, unfortunately. But that doesn't change the fact that today's topic is the musical Six. And I was inspired to do this uh, weeks and weeks ago, back in my uh, quarantine update episode, where I'd been watching this, uh, listening to the soundtrack a lot and, and watching, watching the uh, digital version of the show I have. And I uh, watched it today, actually, with my mother. We uh, decided to, after dinner, my brothers went back to their room. My dad went out uh, to work. And, uh, yeah, so me and my mum decided to sit down and uh, watch Six. This is the first time my mum had seen it. And, uh, yeah, she really enjoyed it as well, which, which made me happy. I knew she would. I knew she'd really like it. And it actually sparked up some quite good conversations about it, actually. We actually then, for maybe half an hour, 40 minutes afterwards... Spent talking about the origins of the show and uh, how it was basically written by two university students in their final year at Cambridge. And they, they wrote this show, not expecting it to be too big. And uh, a few years later, it's on Broadway, it's in Chicago, it's in Australia, it's got a UK tour, it's got a West End ver- uh, show. It's amazing because it went then from their university production to the Edinburgh Fringe to tour in the UK, got its place in the West End, and then it expanded to all those other places. I said since then, and now it's got a separate UK tour cast and a West End cast. The show really blew up massively. In fact, I realised how big it was. Obviously, I was a fan, but I didn't realise just how many people had been involved in the show when a few weeks ago, as a lockdown sort of motivator, I suppose, they released a special video where they had everyone who has ever being cast in the show as either an extra or as one of the main six uh they recorded and they basically put on a digital quarantine performance of x wives slash six which is amazing they also incorporated the fans into that which it was brilliant to see and it really shows what a big and massive and good fandom it is and how big the show's gotten just in general of how many people have now participated in the show from Something that was written by two 20-year-olds at university to this now massive phenomenon. It was that big that last year during the summer, it even had a flash mob at the Tower of London where they had like songs and everything and then the actual queens eventually themselves came down and sung and performed for them. Not the full show, but I think it was just a song or two for all the people there. Unfortunately, I couldn't go to that because I was in me and Stoke doing a stupid dig for my for my degree. Uh, so that's another thing me and Stoke ruined in my life. Uh, but yeah, so I would have loved to go to that. Unfortunately, couldn't. But that doesn't change the fact that I do still deeply, deeply, deeply love Six because it's a very multi-layered production. 
it's you can sit down and watch it if you just want to sit down and enjoy a musical that's funny and has great music you can enjoy it as a history fan as someone who's looking for a deeper or someone who's looking for a deeper meaning or just anyone i feel like who has a heart and isn't completely miserable so a few people i know probably wouldn't enjoy it um i feel like could enjoy this brilliant 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 production it's not like most musicals it's fairly short in the fact it's only an hour and 10 hour and 15 minutes but there is therefore no interval so for the people performing it it's very much like 75 minutes of of pure cardio in fact i watched a behind the scenes thing where they said afterwards they've got multiple flights of stairs to walk up to get from the actual stage to the uh dressing rooms so after all those 75 minutes of pure cardio they are literally left crawling up the stairs they can't even walk up the stairs by the end of it because it's such hard work and that's a big testament to all of all of them because you really can't tell that well you, you I suppose you can tell all the work they put in because none of them look tired they're all going for it 100% even right at the end with all this energy and they give it their all and there's no one I feel like embodies that pure raw untamed energy quite like Millie O'Connell's Anne Boleyn now I might have a bias here because Anne Boleyn is my favorite uh figure in all of history as I'm sure when my new podcast and finally is up running and released my first episode is actually on her so you will find out a lot about her and her historical background but you yeah so I picked her for that because she's my favorite historical figure so maybe I have a slight bias in the fact that She's my favourite, so of course I'm going to single out Anne Boleyn in the show. But my favourite actress who ever played Anne Boleyn, I'm really sorry, my eyes are so bloodshot right now and I'm rubbing them in hay fever fury, which I know I shouldn't, but oh god, it's so annoying. But we're going to power on through because I don't really have a choice. Yes, Millie O'Connell's Anne Boleyn. I, I do think she's the best person to have ever played Anne Boleyn, in my opinion. And she was my favourite to watch when I did watch did watch the show. Um, in fact... My obsession with the show, it started out, I did, I sort of focused on her from the beginning. I remember I got into the show when I was in Alton Towers with my family. We'd come back from a day at the theme park, brilliant rides and everything. Came back to the hotel and we decided just to put on some TV while we were all sitting in the hotel because the water park was closed. There was nothing we could do. So just put the TV on. And uh, X Factor was on, or Britain's Got Nose, Britain's Got Talent was on. And I wasn't really paying any attention. It was a results show. So I was sitting reading my book. And and suddenly I, I heard they were announcing a, a guest performer. I was like, oh, whatever, I'll keep reading my book. And then, then I heard the uh, six words. Divorced, beheaded, died, divorced, beheaded, survived. Six words, obviously, as someone who, who loves his history, strikes interest. Because, obviously, that is the famous rhyme about the six wives of Henry VIII, who, in case you were unaware, is what this particular production is about. So hearing those six words, really, it sort of drew me into the screen. And then from the minute Anne Boleyn had her first line, um, I, I was sort of focused on her, that she just had this charisma that I'm not saying the others didn't have. The others were all brilliantly casted and well done, had their own charisma and energy. But there's something about hers that just seemed to draw me to her, and I couldn't really take my eyes off her for the for the performance. I, yes, I did watch the others as well, and I've watched that particular Britain's Got Talent performance multiple times since then. But it doesn't change the fact that from the start, I was very much 
drawn to the character of Anne Boleyn in this performance and just the energy she brought. And from then on, you watch her in things like Mega Six and her various performances of uh, Anne Boleyn's song in the thing, Don't Lose Your Head, that she's done at the uh, West End Live or on the One Show. And she definitely carries a certain energy in the way she carries things and says her words is definitely my favourite interpretation of the Amberlynn character in the sixth musical. There's just something about the way she said she has this almost like cockney voice to it, which I think just goes with this young teenager vibe that was written in for the character by the writers that she just, you know, don't lose your head. She has a definite like cockney and like the <laughs> type thing. And I've really just butchered her lovely voice and the way she does it. Um, but it has this Cockney twang to it that really stands out. To, I don't know if this is because I'm from Essex, so I suppose the Cockney twang is very much apparent around here and is what I should have if I don't pretend I'm posh. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, there's definitely something about her character that resonated immediately, and that just carries over as you watch her in the show or on YouTube, all the Mega Sixes, which is the bit you're allowed to film at the end of the show where she's just a ball of energy. I don't know how someone at the end of 75 minutes, I can't just, she just moves. It's like Mr. Tiggle, but he just let his arms flop. You, you know, the, um, you see at car dealerships, normally in American cartoons or fictional things. It's the big inflatable tube men. Just imagine one of those just on some form of, I don't know, like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just one of those if they were hyperactive but obviously well choreographed and can sing very well I'm not <laughs> but yeah it, just a ball of energy and that personally is one of the things that sort of draws me into her as a character in the show and so I do tend to focus a lot of time on her obviously on the other character show uh, songs I will obviously focus on them as well but every time now and again I'll glance over to what Belinda's doing with her dancing or singing in the background and she just has a charisma that just draws me in that I really appreciate in a character. And she has some very funny lines as well. She has multiple lines that obviously reference her her beheading. Because the, the premise of the show is the six of them are in a girl band. They're, they're in a concert. But they can't decide which of them should actually be the lead singer of their band. So they're all going to have a sing-off describing which of them had the worst experience with Henry and whoever had the worst will uh, become the leader of the band. So they all take turns singing their individual songs, <coughs> trying to explain who had it the worst. But in between, obviously, there's bickering between them. Like, oh, no, I, I, I had this. And he's like, well, yeah, but I, this happened to me. And you'd think they couldn't run out of ways for her to mention that she lost her head and it'd be funny. But you'd be wrong. Even Saffron, who I'm sure is listening to this, watched it. And she doesn't even like normal upbeat musicals. She prefers the more sombre ones like Les Miserables or Phantom of the Opera. And even she found it funny the amount of times she just found ways to slip in. Like She's like, oh, you know, I always move to a nunnery. She's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's great. How's your neck? You know, and I've just butchered that joke as well. A lot of these jokes, you do, you're going to have to watch it to fully appreciate it but it, it's comedy genius saffron's personal favorite and the funniest of them and i think gen 
I genuinely think she's probably got the funniest lines in the show as well, was Anna of Cleves, um, who not only had a song about how great her life was in a sort of weird way, despite the others, then just rubbed it in their face that she actually had no shit from Henry because she was married for like a week and then got given a palace and all the money she wanted to shut up about the divorce. And the fact that she didn't want him pretty much or that he she catfished him history is not entirely sure which one happened but that's that's not the debate we're having right here and just one of her best lines in the show is they're basically the other five are all talking about all the terrible things that have happened to them and then Anna of Cleves just comes out and goes guys I've got the plague and they all turn around and go oh no did are you okay are you okay and she's like no I'm just kidding my life's amazing and the others just go oh, oh. sort of like you know I've been beheaded my son died I was treated like shit. I was divorced and humiliated. I was also beheaded and, you know, she's just sitting over there rocking it out. I'd say best roast of the show, Kate Howard. Catherine Howard, where she just basically goes round the other five and points out how silly they are for their points. So she goes over to Aragon is like, oh, almost forced to move to a nunnery. The shame. Berlin. Oh no, losing your head. That must have been so awful. Oh, wait. Divorce beheaded died. Divorce behead. Oh. Mm. Goes over to Jane Seymour. Oh no, dying of natural causes. When will justice be served? Goes over to Pa and just goes, survived. And then sort of shrugs at the audience. And then just goes over to Anna of Cleves and going, being rejected for your looks. Something I'd never know about. And just roasts all of them individually. And honestly, best roast of the show. Best repeated joke, the losing of heads. All of the songs stand out in their own way and are all devised to represent a different musical style of a different artist. Also reflected in the costume design, which by the way is fantastic because they all have little microphone holders like as part of the costume so when they don't need to be holding the microphone they're just dancing they can put slot it in there and get it out easily for when they need to sing again which is brilliant by the way but yeah each of the queens were cleverly based off a real pop star so you've got Aragon was like your Beyonce Berlin was more your uh, Alicia Keys I think early days no that's not right at all Alicia Keys was pa why did I say Alicia Keys it was a uh, Lily Allen in her early days Alicia Keys dear god Jane Seymour was obviously Adele your Anna of Cleves was your more Nicki Minaj Rihanna type person Howard was your more Ariana Grande Avril Lavigne way going about it and as I've already said Catherine Parr was influenced by Alicia Keys and this can be seen in their costume design as well and their song style so uh, Seymour gets the more ballady type one and so on and so forth. They all follow their personality. So Berlin's more, you know, playful, bratty almost, just a young girl, you know, ha! And then you've got Howard, who's got more of a, also like a teenage rebellion sort of vibe going. And another brilliant, I think, really subtle costume design thing that fits into the characters, actually segueing back to that very slightly, is that, Howard and Berlin are the only two characters in the show that wear chokers, which I feel like is very symbolic of the fact that uh, they uh, lost their heads.
it happened, folks. They were beheaded, as the rhyme famously states. And Berlin's song is all about that. And Berlin's song is also the first introduction to what shall we call the innuendos that go over kids' heads section of of the musical, where towards the end of her song, she's she's panicking, realizing that Henry's actually going to chop her head off. She's like, no, no, guys, guys, I I think he's actually going to chop my head off. Music breaks for a bit. Everyone looks around really concerned, and she just sort of looks to the audience and goes, "I guess he must have uh, really liked my head." Sort of winks to the audience. Sometimes does like gets the microphone, puts it near her mouth, insinuating the blowjob. And <laughs> that was the first moment when I heard that. I thought, "Oh, this is going to have jokes that kids are not going to understand." And Berlin follow uh, promptly follows up. This with another really inappropriate joke, more just for what she was going to say, where she uh, then, after singing her song, claims that she's clearly already won because she had the worst experiences. So is going to start her solo now, her next solo anyway, and declares that she's going to sing a song that she wrote after hearing the tragic news that Catherine of Aragon had died called Wearing Yellow to a Funeral. Uh, which is something she actually did. She, uh, Her and Henry wore yellow the day after hearing of Aragon's death. Uh, the historical context on that is debated on whether that was a sign of respect or not, but that is mentioned in the episode on Anne Boleyn of And Finally, which, as stated before, is to be decided on when that will be, be released. But anyway, so she proceeds to begin singing Wearing Yellow to a Funeral. Sorry, I'm really blocked up at the moment. Where she... Uh, Sings this, Catherine is a massive car, and then is sort of interrupted by the others as a way to say, no, no, you haven't won yet, which is really stopping her from saying the word, see you next Tuesday. And it has been confirmed by the writers that the intention was that that is the word that Anne was going to sing next in her verse of wearing yellow to a funeral. And quite frankly, Toby and Lucy, the writers, I implore you, can we please get a full-length version of Wearing Yellow to a Funeral and get Millie O'Connell back to perform it, please. Speaking of getting the cast back, I would love a original West End cast album. The album's fantastic. Obviously, it's got all the songs. Two of the people are still the same, being Seymour and Howard. But I would love an original West End cast recording of the album. Uh, no, I'm not alone there. So maybe we could six power this up and uh get this get this ball rolling on yeah i want a cast album the original cast i want Millie o'connell was berlin back because that that's one thing i might because i do after my mum watched it today she now wants to go and see it live as well we watched a uh a recording on the internet of it uh because you can't go and see it at the moment unfortunately but she now wants to go and see it live and It'll just be, <laughs> you don't need to get attracted to a certain cast, uh, attached to a certain cast. I know I'm going to call out Saffron again here. She feels the same about Phantom of the Opera. She's got a certain Phantom she likes and all this sort of stuff. The original six cast, well, the original West End cast are the ones that I saw uh, for the first time when I watched the Britain's Got Talent and when I saw the videos on the internet searching up for research on what the show was actually like. So I sort of had an attachment to that. So 
going back and not having the full cast, it will be different. But I will still obviously enjoy the show. The jokes remain the same and everything. And it's just you have a certain cast you like and you like their voices on the songs. Like I've heard other versions of Don't Lose Your Heads, once again, Berlin song. And they're all fantastic. They really are. But there's just something about not having Millie O'Connell perform it. And the same with now Catherine Howard isn't uh, Amy Atkinson. She had that very certain way of performing it as well and a distinctive voice that you you just get used to the voice, even in the ensemble pieces, like when they're doing ex-wives or six at the end, you can hear the difference in voices. It doesn't make it bad, but you're just used to hearing a certain thing. But that's just personal preference and casting. Uh, but yeah, no, I will definitely go and see it live with my mother now because she clearly really enjoyed it. And I do. I love six. I think it's brilliant. So cleverly written, getting across history. Or as I like to say in the musical, her story, which is relevant to, to the theme of the musical, which I will really get onto in a minute. Um, it tells history in such a fun way. And yes, whilst it's not entirely historically accurate, you wouldn't expect it to be. It, if it was in completely historically accurate, frankly, it'd be incredibly more depressing than it already is. Considering Catherine Howard's song is already about her and how she was sexually abused from the age of 13. Like, and you... It's much worse in real life what happened to some of these women um, and the way they were treated. So let's be glad they, they skip over some of it and play into a more modern audience where they keep the Tudorisms. They really keep the Tudorisms, but they just make it so modern. Like the bit that really, I think, emphasised this for me was when they were introducing Anne Boleyn and they do a whole bit for her introduction where they're playing on the historical tropes that they were at. She was this evil temptress who planned to take the crown, blah 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 which wasn't true. But they show that in such a clever way where they have this whole little mini introduction song scene where it's like, the woman who went to take the crown to take the, the temptress, Anne Boleyn, Anne Boleyn. And they all sort of just do a thing where all the lights just pad on her. She's just sitting at the back of the stage on a phone, just like a, young girl and that was their way of showing that she wasn't this evil mastermind she was just a young girl like and maybe that's overemphasizing a bit for the sake of the character they're portraying in the show but she wasn't this temptress horrible person she was just a young woman a very intelligent young woman mind you so they modernize it in a weird way that yes this is a pop concert but it's still very tudor like they're mentioning shakespeare and Green Sleeves, obviously written about Anne Boleyn by Henry VIII. And for the most part, the historical accuracies are there. A lot of the stories are what happened, even if it's debated now, like the whole Anna of Cleves. Did she really catfish him or did she actually reject him? And the whole cover-up was giving her everything she could have wanted. But the show really, in that respect, has a bit for everyone because, yes, it has all these different musical styles. It's got the comedy. It's okay, it doesn't have romance because the whole thing is basically shutting down Henry. But that's good. He was a horrible man. And that's, I suppose, where we're getting to now with the whole point of the musical. It's female power, but in a really clever way of where, yeah, they've been bickering for the whole thing. But at the end, they realize that why are they bickering when, you know, they're. If they keep bickering, they'll just be one of six. Why not be six? 
why live in Henry's shadow? Like, the only reason he's remembered is because of his wives, and they even make the arguments, but, oh, yeah, but what about his, you know, religious reforms? And you sort of realise that everything he did, like his religious reforms, were influenced by the wives. So, you know, you couldn't name the wives of Henry the sixth, fifth, seventh, but you can name the wives of Henry the eighth, or at least a few of them. And you know the divorce beheaded died, divorce beheaded survived. They're remembered because of him, but more importantly, they realise he's remembered because of them. And they realise that, unfortunately, because of the way history is written, their lives get put on the wayside in favour of him and just all that's remembered is their relationships with him. So this whole musical is about them taking their identities back. As I say, they're rewriting his story into her story. They're rewriting it into their story. And that's that's the really funny, <laughs> the really funny twist ending where even my mum actually got caught out by this, where they literally, it's quite somber for a bit. So they come to this realisation and they're like, but unfortunately, we wish we could tell you that all our lives had happy endings. But they didn't. And there's nothing we can do to change that. And they sort of all just go walking off the stage. All the lights go off on the stage. And you think, my mum genuinely fell for it. She looked at me and went, is that the end? Like, it was really good. But are they actually leaving it like that? And I sort of looked at her and went, no. And as that happened, they, they do their bit where they come back on. And they're like, but hang on a minute. This is our show. We can end it however we want. And they realise that this is their chance to rewrite their story. And it's quite a wholesome ending. So whilst you realise the whole theme is that, you know, they've got to take back their own stories. And they've got to be themselves and true to themselves, which is really important. They take this final moment as women to rewrite their stories as if it wasn't influenced by a man. But it's not heavily feminist. I need to stress this. I don't like something when a message is thrown too much in your face. I don't like that in anything. Like, I'm all for supporting inequality. No, <laughs> that sounds really bad. I'm all for getting rid of inequality. I'm all for supporting equality. <laughs> Jesus Christ, what a slip up I've just made. Oh, well. No, I'm all for supporting equality, really. And, but I just don't like it when it is thrown too much in your face. Like, but... Six does it subtly to the point where the bit where they end up rewriting their stories in the final song six is really wholesome and it's really it feels earned like after hearing what these characters have been through hearing what their lives could have been whilst it's yeah sad thinking that this isn't the ending hearing them talk about it it sort of puts a smile on your face that they now know that their lives oh whilst you can never change the history for these characters they realize they can change the outcome for this one moment so Catherine of Aragon does move to the nunnery and makes her way into the charts becomes a singer Anne Boleyn rejects the king's advances but actually takes the poem green sleeves turns it into a song and gets a recording art album Jane Seymour she doesn't die after childbirth and she actually has a whole family that go on to be a band Anna of Cleves goes on a tour of Prussia just singing and having fun. Catherine Howard doesn't give in to all these men and starts her own singing career. And Catherine Parr finds the five previous women and they lay down an album. They're six. They get the lives and the endings they wanted. And that's, it's really wholesome because, but also bittersweet because 
in a way, you're reminded that the real six women, Aragon, Berlin, Seymour, Cleves, Howard and Parr, they didn't get their endings. They didn't get their happy endings. None of them did. You know, Aragon was disrespected and completely disregarded by the English courts and divorced. Berlin was marked as a traitor and an adulterer and lost her life for it when that's not what she was. Seymour didn't get to watch her son grow up. She didn't get to hold her son. <coughs> Cleves, yeah, got the life she wanted. She can't complain. Howard was sexually abused her whole life and it continued into her marriage and that resulted in her losing her head. And Pa was forced to not marry the woman, the man that she actually loved and instead marry Henry because he told her that's what she needed to do because he was the king. And you're reminded of that in a really bittersweet way. But seeing the characters enjoy what could have been so much, <clears throat> you don't focus on that. You just focus on the wholesome, we are six, one of a kind, no category, too many years lost in his story, free to take our crowning glory for five more minutes, we are six. It's such a brilliant, that writing, the writing of the whole show is fantastic. And that chorus to the final song, Six, really, really shows that. It's just so layered. So, yes, you've got the count from one to six, obviously, because they're the six. But you've got the clever wordplay within that. So, one of a kind, no category. You know, who else has had six famous wives? They're, they're, <laughs> they are one of a kind. Too many years lost in his story. Such a clever bit of writing, because that means history, you know, because their stories aren't told in history. What their relations to him are, but their lives, their their actual stories aren't told. But also the whole feminist sort of, well, why do we always get Henry's opinion? It's his story and history, not her story. They're forgotten, but not anymore free to take our crowning glory you know they were queens they should be celebrated they were important people why should they just be forgotten in a rhyme when henry gets all the credit why are they just divorce beheaded die divorce beheaded survived when henry's remembered as a king of england and did all these great things when they were the driving force for all of it they're what made him so great for five more minutes we're six it's just perfect writing and so so goddamn clever the whole show is so goddamn clever all of the songs are so goddamn clever and then there's the one in the middle that i wouldn't say is clever as much but it is very clever but you don't notice the cleverness because you're too busy thinking oh my god if someone spiked my drink with acid and that is the song that i sang at the beginning which is, welcome to the house, to the house of Holbeinjah. Do, 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 do. Oh, yeah. Do, 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 do. It's good, good, yeah. Do, do. Honestly, I, I remember when we were watching earlier, I turned to my mum before this song started and went, Mum, just going to warn you, this song is like an acid trip. You, you will think so you're on drugs when you're watching this. And honestly, it's perfect for a rave. If you want to have a rave, just put on a house of Holbein and you'll be like, do, 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 do,
Jesus Christ, I think that's where most of the cardio goes. It's House of Holbein because, Jesus Christ, it's just manic. And I get that part of that's probably because the song before that is Heart of Stone, which is Jane Seymour's sort of sad ballad. So it's probably to lighten the tone very quickly after that. But Jesus Christ, is it just insane to watch. If you can find a clip of House of Holbein on YouTube to actually watch the performance, it's insane. And if you just want to listen to an acid trip, Honestly, it's it's Millie O'Connell ter territory because she's obviously just insane ball of energy anyway. But this song, it's just I, d I don't know how to like they're talking about lead poisoning, but you sort of disregard the fact they're talking about how this the historic guy House Holbein would you know paint women in portraits to try and get them suitors, like sort of like early Tinder, I suppose, and they're talking about waist over nine inches but you just disregard that over just the mentalness that you're watching but it's just so brilliant and that's just another testament to the writers that they're just getting everything in there a bit of everything is in this and can't stress enough just how diverse and brilliant it is it's celebrating diversity equality feminism standing up and you know being proud you know embracing your story and even from an archaeological point of view in some courses i've done this year it makes sense we need to realize that history was written by the men and the victors which means a lot of the time women don't get their say their their lives their opinions are written from from the perspective of men which which isn't true and well it, it's not true that is what happened but that's not the real story because you're getting it from the man's perspective and this, this musical, I say, without throwing it in your face, gives you the women's story for once and shows you that, well, hang on, maybe we do need to look at the other side of this coin. But even if you don't want to overanalyze it like that, the show is just such a, such a treat to watch. And the fact that it's blown up so much in the last few years from what was a uni, two uni students writing what they thought was a fun production because they didn't understand why they they were always confused by how the people in musicals just accepted people randomly bursting into song and dance so they wanted to write something different where the songs it made sense that these songs were being sung but they also wanted to write something that they thought we'd go and watch this and and six was born just a pop concert based on the wives of henry the eighth who would have thought that would have worked as a concept but my God, it does as one of my per my personal favorite musical of all time. Right at the moment, is six. I love it. I, I rewatch it constantly. I listen to the music constantly. I try and find clips of of the West End cast singing because that's what I'm used to. So when I listen to "Sorry Not Sorry About What I Said," I'm just trying to have some fun. Don't worry, don't worry, don't lose your head. I didn't mean to hurt anyone. L-O-L, say oh well, or go to hell. Sorry, not sorry about what I said. Don't lose your head. Boom. I'm sorry I butchered that, um, Millie O'Connell. Your version is much better. And that's why I choose to listen to that. When when I when I listen to it, I find the uh, West End Live one listen to that because her voice is much better than mine. Uh, and as I say, it has the uh, Cockney twang. Don't lose your head. Bang. Uh, sorry. I'm. It's a good song. All of the songs are good though. There are no songs that are bad. 
Right, some of them are obviously better than others, and it's all down to preference. But none of the songs are bad. None of the characters are bad either. Yes, once again, there are weaker ones than others. We won't go into that. I'm not going to pick them apart because they're all good. It's not like I'm picking them apart because they're bad. I'd just be really nitpicking, and that's that's not fair. Obviously, I've got my favourite in Anne Boleyn, and Anna of Cleves is hilarious. But they're all good, and they all stand out in their own way and get moments. I feel like the one who, in fairness, is probably let down the most is Catherine Parr because you tend to find the queens only tend to chip in with the banter once they've had their song because they obviously relate what they're saying to their tragedies and they're not trying to give everything away too much. And so so Catherine Parr really gets the short end of the stick there because her song obviously being last, she doesn't get much time to banter with the others. So... That's not really on her, really. That's just on the the style of the writing. But that's not a criticism on the writing. It's just how the story unfolds, unfortunately. But it's the writing is amazing. You can't fault it. They turn some really dark topics into either brilliant songs or punchlines. But not in a way that you feel offended by any of them. In a way that it's like, wow, they've, they've told this story. Because the thing is, if you don't make it into some sort of joke or song it's really somber and really dark and depressing but they're trying to also be factually accurate so they have to keep in things like miscarriages or there's the bit where arrogance complaining like oh i know you know i never got to look after mary when 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 she was ill and seymour just goes up to her and goes oh that's a shame because when i wanted to pick up my son when he was born i died this stuff like that is like is that is that a joke? Should you? And you know, miscarriages and and beheadings and the sexual abuse of Catherine Howard is turned into a whole song. Right? And don't worry, it's a very good song and it gets the point across about this young, vulnerable woman who was exploited and how by the end of it she's realized like it's her realization that these men don't don't love her. They're just using her and it's her realization of that. And it's quite a tragic song, but it's a very good song. And that's the cleverness of the writing. They've turned these horrible things into something where, yes, you're learning the truth of the matter, but it's not hitting you so cold and hard that you think, oh, I'm not, I feel a bit uncomfortable by this. They tell the truth in a way that is still entertaining. And that's a very, very, very fine balance, I feel. And say but they put the humor into it where Catherine Howard's doing her bit about how these men are using her and she's like well apparently men sometimes just give you attention to get you into their chambers oh it's a good thing things have changed today obviously then a wink wink at the audience like clearly it hasn't men are still like that sometimes which they are I say this as a man I know many people who do that they will just treat women like shit and it's not okay it's not and this musical does show this i don't want to get into too much of a political rant here myself but obviously it's not okay and this musical (coughs) really shows that women do matter which i hope most people know anyway they do have a story they do have a voice and they are strong smart influential and (coughs) sorry that's that's important and the jokes just do a brilliant job at conveying that whilst also 
keeping you entertained and not just bombarding you with <laughs> with the dogmatic message that's really hard hitting and is really deep but they package it in such a nice way that you're like oh that's that's funny and I love the fact that it's a fourth wall breaking musical as well all the little winks and nods like even a bit where they realise that they've been bickering for too long they're like oh if only we'd realised before the show started that bickering wouldn't have been a good idea maybe we could have said about you know working together and how our stories are what matters yeah we could have even turned it into a song all six of them just look out into the audience and Berlin goes guys do you think they got it and even her line where she rambles off loads of really big words and makes sense I can't remember the line he's like yeah I read the humor is fantastic and the music's fantastic the writing's fantastic the acting and singing and dancing has always been fantastic. I can't complain about any of their casting. All 300 people who have been in it, from what I've seen of them, most of which I've just seen from the ensemble lockdown bit, but all done fantastic jobs. Yes, I have my favourites, as I've made clear, but they've all done brilliant and absolutely fantastic jobs. And to that end, I must say, six... <laughs> you haven't failed. They're... they're there's no way you're going to have failed, so don't lose your head over it. I don't have a heart of stone after all, so we can all get down and agree that all you want to do is, uh, well, you don't need my love, so you're not going to fail because there's six of you and you're all ex-wives in the house of Holbein. Okay, other than House of Holbein, I fit all of the songs into that, that analysis and that should be proud of. That... It's very good, very good. We're sick. Yeah, Poof, oh, I'm amazing. Six, you have not failed. You, you're a brilliant musical. I implore anyone who is listening to this, check it out if, if you can. Go watch it when lockdown's over. It's fantastic, and I can always guarantee it won't be a waste of your time or money. You will definitely enjoy it. And if not, the album is out, and you can just bang out to some historical melodies. Uh, once again, thank you so much for listening, guys. I really hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Do remember to follow the page on Twitter, follow me on Twitter, and join the Discord. Watch six. Can't say it enough. Watch six. And I will speak to you next week, guys. Speak to you then.